Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 339 entitled, Are Web Design Clients Only Interested in What They Can See? It was published on Thursday, the 24th of August, 2023, and is the 14th episode in our Thinking the Unthinkable series. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined in a few moments by David Wormsley to have that conversation. But before then, a few little bits of housekeeping. The first thing to say, and I've said it over the last few weeks, is we are running the Page Builder Summit once again, Loads of speakers spread out over a whole week. It's happening in late September. You can find out more by going to pagebuildersummit.com and you can join our waitlist there. But this message really is to anybody who might be interested in sponsoring that event. It always helps to get those events across the line if we have plenty of sponsors. And the best way that you can contribute is to go to pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsors and see what you will get in exchange for your sponsorship deal pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsors. We'd really appreciate that. The next thing to say is this episode is going out, but I'm having a week off next week. It's the second of my weeks off during the month of August. And so, yep, there'll be a gap in your podcast feed, but I'm sure that you're going to cope. Another quick one to mention is that if you enjoy what we do, you can subscribe at wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. There's all of the links to the various platforms. YouTube, Twitter, and so on. But also, if you fancy making a comment, it would be really nice if you felt like doing that on the wpbuilds.com website. So if you listen to this episode, you're curious about it, and you want to leave a comment, go to wpbuilds.com, search for episode 339, and leave us a comment there. Some more of you have been doing that recently, and I really appreciate it. Before we get into the podcast, just a quick thing. Last week's episode, which was Calvin Alken, all about security, it does seem to have stirred up some conversation on social media. We will be doing that every couple of weeks. So I'm going to release the four episodes spread out over two weeks. And the reason for that is because we always do an interview episode, which Calvin's episode was. And then I have a chat with David, then an interview, chat with David and so on. So the next episode will be 340. But as I said, we're taking a week off, so it'll be in a couple of weeks' time. So hopefully, if you're interested in that little mini-series of four episodes, you've now got a full understanding of how that is going to come out. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WP builds. That's go.me forward slash WP builds. And we sincerely thank GoDaddy Pro for their continuing ongoing support of the WP builds podcast. Okay, let's get into it. Episode 14 of the Thinking the Unthinkable series. The title is Are Web Design Clients Only Interested in What They Can See? Well, pretty obvious, really. Do we have to bang our heads against what clients think that they ought to have on their website, as opposed to what we know as professionals they should have on their website? 
Is website building simply a visual experience as an exchange between you and the client, or is there a lot more going on under the hood? I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, this is the 14th episode of our Thinking the Unthinkable series. And the idea for today's topic came out of our last episode where we were talking about the pros and cons of no-code builders. So here, well, we, we're still working out what our title should be. There was two options that we had, which is really, are web designers responsible for the growth in DIY sites and are web design clients only interested in what they can see? Both are kind of relevant to this discussion, aren't they? Yeah, I guess we'll settle on a title after we finished and then we'll know. Yeah what we talked about. We'll just call it so so controversial it couldn't be titled. That's right. Or alternatively, we could just call it what a load of waffle. <laughs> more far, waffle. Far more likely. No, seriously, interesting topic. David and I, as always, have had a lengthy chat before we click record. So I'll let you kick us off anyway. Okay. Well, we'll start a bit about whether our assumptions are right, that there is growth in DIY because we don't actually know it. But I mean, we were talking last week about Elementor and how it's like 13 million and growing still as it seems to be. So we've got that, but that's an assumption because agencies use that as well. But I did, there was something and it's anecdotal in one of the Facebook groups that I was in, there was somebody there who does affiliate marketing. He was asking one of the popular sellers of uh, WordPress plugins and themes about their customers. And they said over the recent years, there's been a big growth in single licenses, not their agency business package that they sell, which they were going to put limited and have continued that. They had a lifetime and it was going to be limited and then it was going to be yearly. And it's, it's still continued to be a lifetime. And I think I'm second guessing a little bit here is that because this is increase they've seen on what they assume is businesses doing it themselves, you know, going to them to buy it and skipping the agencies altogether. Yeah, I think that that must be true, but that's just based upon only what I might call my spidey sense. It just feels yeah. that that's the way the internet as a whole is going. You know, everybody can now create video content. Everybody can now create audio content. Everybody can now create a website you're getting so much information all over the place you know if you scroll through a typical facebook feed you will be sold the delights of building your own website and saving money and just click here and you'll get a website which is built around the industry that you're in and so on and so forth i think that would be hard to ignore and we live in a, an economic climate at the moment where purse strings are a little bit tighter than they were several years ago so the idea of bringing somebody in your team out of the, you know, dusting somebody off and saying, okay, you know what a computer is. You can build the website. I'm sure that goes on all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm, I'm going to take responsibility. I feel now with having clients now that are sort of stretching to a 10-year period is that because I introduced a lot of those clients to the page builder and you know, not everybody does this, but I was really a big fan of the ideas that, yeah, this is a real benefit for the clients. If I'm going to have this one, let them use it, let them learn it and all those stuff. But I'm starting to see the downside of this is the fact that they, because I think with the rest of the marketing and the expectations to be able to do it themselves, now they're going in and getting a little bit too overconfident and devaluing, I guess. I think, know, I, think I, I share your sentiment there. I think also, we all blame you 
for <laughs> that happening. You know, the fact there is a move towards DIYing your own websites. Yes, it is singularly your fault, David. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, yeah, I no, but it is interesting because I very well remember the conversations we had. You know, if you rewind yeah. and listen to episodes from uh, mm. years and years ago, that was the thing at the time, right? You were really into the idea that you could spend time with the clients, upskill them on how the Beaver Builder interface went and all of that. And so you're not doing it anymore. That that ship has sailed. You've decided that probably was a mistake. You get things just as broken as they would be if you gave them access to a an IDE and allowed them to you know, write their own yeah. HTML. And perhaps, in fact, worse because, you know, the, the ability to mess stuff up inside a page builder is it you, you don't feel quite so afraid whereas if it was actual code that they were tinkering with you imagine that most people would immediately back out because just the mere presence of code html css whatever is just going to be such a tall order they're going to back away before they actually do any damage whereas <laughs> you know just clicking on buttons in a page builder and then suddenly pressing the publish button and realizing oh and then <laughs> not knowing what they did yeah yeah that's that's inevitable I think what I, I mean, I used to kind of uh, debate with people who used to say, well, I never let, you know, I built the page builders for me to build the site with it and to be able to change, make the changes quickly for them. And I don't give them access to it. And I used to go, well, surely, you know, they're paying for this thing and the maintenance of this stuff. Surely they should have access. And that was always my uh, stand on it. And I thought, you know, and I had what I thought were success stories out of this, you know, teaching people how to do it. What I hadn't figured is the fact that the the person who the staff member who might be looking after that site might change and someone else will come in with a, a different set of expectations and one i think that are set outside of what i would have set for them ones that are set by advertising let's say it's easy to drag and drop and stuff and they literally come in then as the new person having oh there's a page builder now i'll have a move around and then oh i'm a bit stuck and then we'll contact the people who look after it and it's working that way so i haven't really reflected on the fact what happens when this site goes on for some time and the staff change, you know? Well, interestingly, we probably should have seen this one coming a little bit earlier because of the, the yeah. rise in tools and also yeah. inside the page builders themselves to lock clients out. When when Beaver Builder started, everything was available to those who could access Beaver Builder. And then, then you got the ability to change things in line. And then I remember there was a plugin called Wallace in line, which enabled you to lock yeah. things down. And then some of those components got sent into the, the Beaver Builder plugin itself. And then same thing over on all the other ones, you know, you can lock clients out. And the idea was, okay, if you give them the control of everything, they're going to mess things up. So we need to rein that in. And that became a feature of yeah. page builders. And I actually still think that's got utility. So long as you can... Um, explain why those limitations have been imposed. and But you, you've still got to do the process of saying, well, no, you can't change that because I've set it up so that you can't change it because if you change that, there's going to be unexpected consequences. The whole site will now look terrible and blah, blah, blah. But I think that we probably should have seen that coming. And yeah, you're right. I had quite a few situations where a new member of staff came on. It, luckily, in my case, I never got the I'm going to tinker I simply got the phone call, I don't know how to do this, will you do it for me? Which was great, because it meant that I was still in the game. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I may have mentioned this before, but one one side that I look after, then they got a new staff member, and she's actually employed because she used to work for a web agency, but obviously their web agency wasn't how I did it, because one of the words was, can we just swap out the theme? We need a new 
we need a new modern look. And, you know, from what oh. I understand, that was, she, she thought that was it. That's what you did. You just basically the content, which is how earlier WordPress sites were generally set up, weren't they? You know, you changed your theme, your content stayed in place, the, the theme did the styling and you got a new look. Yeah. And I, I mean, think, I guess given real limitations on what you were amending, then yeah. you could do that, couldn't you? But broadly yeah. speaking, that's not the solution if you've spent even 10 minutes modifying the site. No, it was all in the page builder, not the theme. And yeah, uh, yeah. it was all custom and uh, there's no way. But it, it just suddenly thought, wow, yeah. And I, I just think I'm, I'm now countering these kind of the, uh, these expectations that are out there about how they can do it themselves and Certainly, you know, my old colleague was losing business too because that's what she was selling, you know, um, the look of a site. Early days, she was there back in the early 2000s, the only person who could put HTML together to get a site out there. But, you know, so many of her clients, you know, uh, kind of moved to DIY on that. So, so given that uh, several years ago you were telling everybody that was onboarding into your business that they were going to use page builders. And given that you've now decided that page builders are not where you want to be and you'd rather do the the work of writing the HTML and the CSS and possibly a bit of JavaScript by hand, yeah. how are you doing that with the old clients? Are you slowly shedding them or kind of refusing to amend their sites? What, what, how is this transition working its way, way through? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of case by case. I think most of them I am going to lose because I think their expectations, because there wasn't the same beginning, there wasn't the same. I'm I'm only doing it with the basic stuff, so we have this ability to be agile over a period of time, and we'll do the design because I haven't had that discussion with them. The reason for why, basically, doing it a more complex way rather than a kind of easier way is for the long term. Um, I, I can't really change that relationship with people. Some no, of them, I right. think I will. Some, some will, I think, you know, when I want to convert, if my page builder needs changing, you know, Beaver builder needs changing on some of the sites, which it doesn't in the future, some of them are prepared for the fact, oh yeah, I'll just let you do it and you can just rebuild it with something else. That's fine. Uh, but some of them have now got real high expectations of their page builders. And I should imagine they may go to somebody else, but I think they will go wanting somebody to build them a, a you know, another page builder thing so they can do it all themselves and change their designs and make their own landing pages as they want. But are you, that are was you a refusing to, to do the work in a page builder now? You know, somebody says, okay, David, we haven't spoken for a year or so and we just, we've just we got this campaign coming up for Easter or something. Can you build us something? Work with us to oh, do that. Are you, are you even getting, are you carrying on maintaining relationships with those people? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, because that's the interesting thing. I've just had somebody who, you know, they had a staff member changing their site and they pretty much knew it because I I'd explained what they needed to do and the, everything was bumbling up, along well and they've gone. So the owner's come to me and I really had to have a chat with him first to just say, look, I'm actually not going. If you want to invest more money into the sort of design of this site, then I would say then it's, you know, it's gone five years. Let's redesign it. But if there's no reason to do that, then there's no reason, you know, the site's not going to break. So if it's just content changing, we'll carry on. So we had to come to this agreement and largely in their case, they said 90% of their work was coming from offline referrals anyway. So there wasn't a big incentive to do a rebuild. So I said, well, you'll be fine for some time. So we'll just keep looking after it and doing 
content stuff. So I'm having to have this discussion depending on where they want to be in the future and resetting the relationship with them a bit, you know? Yeah, and I was thinking about clients who have things like, you know, a, a, a blog that they're updating. Obviously, that's going to be uh, something that, you know, maybe yeah. out of out of reach for what you're planning to do in the future. So, yeah, just really interesting. Yeah, it is for me because, you know, that's where I'm having to do because I really I want to stop people. So, you know, with Beaver Builder, I'm thinking, you know, it's done well, coming up to nine years for some of these clients um, of business. Do if do we want to redesign with the same tools again now? Well, I'm not really going to do that, I don't think. So, I, you know, I'm saying, no, if we're going to rebuild it, let's do it the way I'm now doing things. But if it's just a case of keeping it running because there's content changes, then don't go for a rebuild if it's doing what you need it to do. So that's how I happen to deal with it. Right. But I'm going to lose people along the way, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're you prepared to do that in your new business. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So, But can we assume, though, that the DIY way of doing things is still growing? Um, I know yeah. that you said about Elemental growing. I think, anecdotally, it feels like it's still growing for all of the reasons I said, you know. Um, I'm seeing increased amount of advertising on Facebook, even on the TV in the UK. We're getting Squarespace and Wix commercials. That to me is a thriving industry, not a declining industry. Yeah, I think so. And you know, did we? <laughs> I guess the question we're asking here: did did we cause the problem as people who build? I mean, we'll get, but potentially losing business. Um, or our na the nature of our business has to change a bit, you know, because if we decide that, well, we will set people up with a good DIY solution and then help them when they get stuck. That's what a lot of our businesses have ended up becoming, I think. And that's I, where I feel mine's gone. Yeah, I think there's two strains to this. So firstly, there's the way that you did it, which I, I think is the, the vast minority. That is to say that you used a page builder and you worked with your clients. I, I, I'm not sure that that was a model that was particularly no. popular. I think most people did the sort of get the brief, figure it all out, build it with a page builder, and then show it to the client and get the approval. I think that was the model. Um, but also, I think that because we all started to buy licenses for these products, yes. these products became viable and in some cases quite wealthy so they were then able to start marketing into the DIY space for the product that they had. You know, had yes. Elementor and Beaver Builder just been used by a tiny fraction of the, the community of people building websites, there would have been no money to advertise it, you know, but it, they yep. were successful. So they were able to then push their marketing clout into the spaces, non-traditional, non-agency, non-freelancer, just DIY. And that gives them, well, if you were working for one of these page builder companies and you could spend $10,000 and get a thousand new clients who were going to, you know, just out of the blue in, in and, you know, they weren't traditionally the people that you were talking to. They were just business owners. You'd do that, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I mean, WordPress itself with the block editor, I mean, it's a slow growth in that compared to some of the page builders that are more accessible because there's time needed for that to grow but it's obviously once upon a time you know when you went to wordpress no one could really build a site on this blogging platform that would do what most clients needed to do so it needed some expertise to introduce people to wordpress that is slowly evaporating so you, i think 
if you're like us, where you started with a bit of code in the first place and then and then kind of jumped into something like WordPress, you I think we're being forced, and this is what I didn't like and why I've changed things into either saying, okay, well, that's it. This is a tool that we can all use. I might be able to set it up better for you and help you and advise you, but then that's my role. And effectively, the client then becomes the designer of the experience for visitors. And that's what I find difficult. And so I'm repositioning it. And I think this is the problem. We put this as a thing for businesses doing it themselves is that they are very limited on what they know about user experience, usability, accessibility, all those kind of things. Yeah. I think I've just had this revelation, David, and it's this. Mm -hmm. I know that the the whole block editor, full site editing, block-based themes, blocks themselves, mm -hmm. Gutenberg, all of that is not something that you're interested in. But I'm just wondering if it's a piece of if it's a piece of genius in that it's it's difficult enough to use that no DIYer <laughs> is gonna go near it. And so in a way it's preserving <laughs> it's preserving the agency owners because you can say, well, we're gonna use the uh, the Gutenberg editor and the clients go, I know I'm not going near that. And so, you know, you maintain your business. So really the the difficulties of using the block editor are are a feature uh, designed to keep us all employed. <laughs> Do you know, I watched, uh, uh, or no, I listened, sorry, to a podcast where it was um, developers who haven't been using WordPress for some time talking to somebody who worked for 10Up, which is a, a big agency out there with something like 300 developers working on it. And they do some really, really clever stuff. They have knowledge of React and all of that stuff, and yeah. they're building custom blocks and all of that stuff. And it was quite interesting listening to that, uh, it, it, from my perspective as well, as somebody who sort of kind of ignored Gutenberg. Um, how they're jumping on that. But what I think was telling for me about it was the fact that they still have a very good business because of the name of WordPress. So the clients want the CMS, even though they're, you know, they're really designing all custom work within WordPress. It's fueled by the demand by the clients to have a WordPress site. Yeah. I, I actually think despite the fact that there are some metrics pointing to the decline Oh, the beginnings of a decline in WordPress adoption. In, there's caveats all over that sentence. Yes. You know, it, it, there are real areas where it isn't and so on. But um, I I still think that in in the sort of like water cooler chat, I still yes. think WordPress is, is, a, is a word which is being passed around. You know, like, oh, I want a website. Do you know anything about websites? No, I don't know the first thing. Why don't you have a look at WordPress? I know a guy that does WordPress websites. I'll give you his number. I still think that sort of stuff is is really still out there. And I don't see that changing anytime soon because it's just the default. It's become the default. Maybe maybe in 10 years' time, I'll eat those words. But it, it doesn't feel like it to me. It still feel like feels like the word WordPress is synonymous with, I just need a WordPress. Sorry, I need a website relatively quickly. Do you know somebody that can do it? Yes. Yeah, it's going to be the number one CMS for a long time. And while clients want CMS, you know, that's what they're going to say, WordPress, isn't it? And and I think from there, you can either get people like me who are using page builders to make it accessible, or you can get people like the 10 up with bigger clients, maybe on the whole, who are doing all this custom work. Now, it probably means that their customers are not um, the people who know nothing about UX, usability, performance, accessibility, all that kind of stuff. They're probably people who do know about that. It's just that they've chosen 
the the number one CMS out there, you know, to get yeah. their business to. But I, I do think that you know, for for us people like us, I think that's all we've got now got left to sell. I think. Yeah, I think there's a real split there. You know, if you're on the you were you were mentioning Tenot being an agency, there's there's lots of agencies similar. You know, big mm. agencies they can take in mm. enterprise clients. I think on their if they do use page builders, let's let's imagine that they do, and let's lump Gutenberg, the block editor, into that category. Mm. Then they are going to have the budget and the expertise to worry about those things: the UX, usability, performance, mm. accessibility, all of that stuff. But then I I also think there's a a massive base of people, and you mentioned it in terms of the people who were buying the single licenses of this product earlier, who mm. just don't care about that at all. They just yeah. want a website. They want it to be, you know, $500 out the door. Several hours after it was started, it was finished. A template is fine. We just need a presence. UX, I don't really care. Usability, not really that bothered. Performance, does it does it load in under 20 seconds? You're on. Accessibility, <laughs> I'm not bothered about that. I bet that's still a huge swathe of the market. I, I think so. And the legal thing which we put here as well is something that I've I've not seen many businesses sweat about. I always talk about GDPR and accessibility laws, whether they might apply to them. Um, most mostly it doesn't, but um, it doesn't seem to. It is very much. But I think the one thing that might uh, is coming up as a bit of a surprise as some people's sites, some new work that's come in where their WordPress sites have kind of died after so many years because there so much change has been going on that the plugins are no longer supported, that they need a rebuild. And it's come as a surprise. But we were saying, I've yet to meet <clears throat> a client who's talked to me about the long term from the beginning. They've only, I think, envisaged what their site is going to look like when it launches. Right, yeah. So there is no... There is no thought of any longevity. It's simply pay the bill, get the site, launch the site, then basically forget about the site. That's Yeah, all. exactly. Yeah, and do you know what? That's a totally legitimate thing, isn't it? In that there's all sorts of things that I purchase and, and I want to use it very infrequently. I just buy it and use it this one time and then I put it in a cupboard and probably won't need it for several years and out it comes again at the time that I'm needing it. We we do have this sort of snobbery, don't we? Because it's our business. You need to worry about the UX, usability, performance, all of those things. Whereas most people don't need to worry about those things. It's a utilitarian thing. They just want to have something on the internet. They want it to be there. They want to be able to point people in the direction of their website. People who are quite prepared to sit there for 90 seconds whilst the homepage loads it's just fine. And I, yeah. I think that sometimes because we're into it and we know all about the, the SEO and we know all about the lighthouse scores and all that, we we position that as being terribly important. Whereas to most clients, it's like, yeah, I, David, just stop talking about that now. Can, can yeah. you do it for 500 quid and will it be ready tomorrow? Yes, great. Let's do it. <laughs> I, think some of the, I think some of the DIYers will find that you know the issues of technical debt and scalability will become part of their issues you know if they've used a very complex solution to quickly diy something um it's going to be very difficult for them to change what they want to do with that same site without having to rebuild if they've not planned that you know thinking about the long term and which is why i think these days i talk straight away about what we're trying to do long term because if i'm trying to justify spending a bit more time to code it up a little bit better front end coding 
I need to justify why it's taking that time because it's for <clears throat> it's to give them that uh, agility over a longer period of time. So that's how I try and sell this move to try and do stuff that I personally want to do, if you like. I can't but remember the exact moment where I suddenly realized that websites that I were building needed to be more long term. But I know that there was a moment when I suddenly, and this is in the WordPress context with, you know, buying licenses and then handing them over yeah. to clients who sometimes might, you know, walk away and carry on with a different agency. I, I do remember suddenly thinking, oh, there's that part of the puzzle as well. I hadn't really given that any thought. How do I handle the licenses? How do I handle all of that? And actually, curiously, you and I just looked at a website which I built a, a long time ago. Mm who got it got taken over by another agency and I, I think it's fair to say that that website is the same now <laughs> as it was so they've just yeah. they haven't i don't think updated any of the licenses and yet it's the fulcrum of their business a lot of their business comes through that website and it's working on old plugins out of date software i i've no idea how out of date most of it is but we we found that some of it was out of date and it just goes to show you know we're worried about the the, the long tail of it, but some of the clients aren't. Is it still there? Yes, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's hard. I mean, the route I want to go, um, in some ways, there's some jobs I now wouldn't want to do because I'm quite into the idea of doing a lot more front-end stuff. And so in, uh, I've got one client probably, you know, who spent the least money when it was with my colleague who probably has the best return on investment for his website costume just a few hundred quid basically to get a pretty awful site up there. But because his business is something which is just selling off parts that people want for something very specialized, he's got constant trade because it's it's now reached a global market, nice. which the net couldn't have done. So, you know, in his case, you know, I thought about it and thought, does he need it? He really could do with that site being sorted out. But you just think, I, I don't even think I'll go and ask because it's... I don't see all see a return, but then there's some other people I've got where, and this is often how I start. Let's do some some competitive research to see how well you can do on the web because I'm doing a lot of sites for people where there's a huge amount of competition online, and the the chances are, and that seems to be the case, that many of them have had sites for you know five years and not had a single inquiry off oh. because there was so many. So th in those cases, I can justify this longer term approach focusing more on that kind of usability for conversion on that SEO for getting the traffic in and for being able to adjust over time as well to, you know, to just keep one ahead of the competition. That That is such an interesting observation. You know, you've got the guy who spent a few hundred pounds and yeah. is making seemingly a, a real great return on that investment. And then you've yeah. got others who've spent probably thousands and put, time yeah. blood sweat and tears into it who are making nothing but there is no justice in the world is there? <laughs> you know it doesn't matter what you put into it. I, it interestingly i just had a conversation on mastodon and it's nothing to do with this particularly but it's somebody who just um posted the statistics of facebook ads and they you know they spent a bit of money on facebook ads and they got mm -hmm. one lead from it and they were promised <laughs> hundreds by the facebook algorithm and uh, and it, it's a bit like that. You know, you could spend that money on a handful of Facebook ads and make absolutely loads back, or it could just fall on deaf ears. And really, who knows what the formula for that is? If you figure, if you do figure that out, I suspect that you'll be 
living in Barbados drinking pina coladas. You know, it's but even in our, even though I'm trying to keep hold of my business by focusing much more on these things that a DIY I wouldn't have thought about, there is an element where I see the switch as well, where people come to me for functionality that WordPress could do with a plugin and it would cost them where often I'm saying, well, just going to pick up this kind of um, um, bookings type system or something yep. from yep. AppSumo and stick that in. So it, it's a really odd, you know, because I think you have to get to the job that needs to be done really most of the time. And I think that's often where we might go wrong with clients. I think um, we might lead them to DIY stuff, partly because we introduce them to it sometimes, <laughs> like me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but also because um, we don't get over the, the benefits to their particular business, if you like. You know, who would care about UX if it does what it needs to do? That the guy with selling off his parts for that kind of niche thing, he's not going to care. It's not going to make any difference. He's got enough coming in, but somebody else will need to do that to be able to beat their competition. And I think that's part of our job to identify that and align the right kind of clients to us. I suspect that a year from now, David, you'll have brushed, dusted down your Code Canyon account uh, <laughs> and you'll be, uh, you know, you'll be downloading those booking scripts. You'll be downloading those PHP form scripts. You'll be having a great time over there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, though, uh, if we sent people to DIY, I was showing you a site, wasn't I? And there was a long story. I've probably mentioned them before, but it was somebody who um, they had a designer who built their main site and they were a nonprofit getting funding from all sorts of government bodies. And they didn't want to pay the money, but they needed it to be fully accessible um, to a kind of top level, because I think that's just part of the nature of what they do. Legally, they need to do that. But, you know, they didn't really want to do that and they didn't really understand the law. Uh, so effectively, my colleague initially made them, they basically DIY'd it. She helped them to DIY it. Um, and <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with well, this. Well, no, point. no, uh, I, I, sorry, I can interrupt you there because mm. I know kind of where you were going, I think. The... I don't think I had any idea of the law around anything. Um, yeah. So you showed me a site which uh, clearly wasn't what it should be, but it was in receipt of public money to be built. And so in, yeah. in the UK, my understanding is that if you're in receipt of public money, then you must adhere to certain guidelines. This this website hasn't done that. Um, and so what do you do? You know, as a DIYer, you you are constrained. You've got to put in a proposal that's that's going to be allow you to do all of those kind of things. If you are genuinely a DIYer and you don't know, I think I think increasingly you are going to be the have you are going to have to be the sort of person that either outsources that to somebody else or says I can't do it because I, I, I my impression is that the ambulance chasing lawyers are going to start coming to get us in the in the fairly near future. That website was for a fairly big event, it looked like. Now, yeah. maybe they'll slip under the radar. Okay, Probably. great. You've yeah. slipped under the radar. You've got away with it. But there will come a point where you won't. And and if you're truly a DIYer and you don't have those that skill, you don't have the knowledge about, well, accessibility would be the perfect one um, to talk about. 
you are mm. going to be launching these projects with little expectation of, of completing that work. And at some point, it probably will come to catch you. And I don't know where you stand in terms of, I don't know if it's, you know, will the lawsuit be against you or will the lawsuit be against the person that's launched the site and they therefore like sort of counter sue you? I don't know. But I, I mm. do think to be a DIYer now is going to be more challenging than ever. And, you, you know, UX, usability, performance, accessibility, UX and accessibility, I think people are going to come and get you in the future for those. Mm. And I think in this case, what was interesting, I stumbled across it. I mean, it went to somebody else and they rebuilt it. So it's nothing to do with me, but I've looked again some years on it and they've got an accessibility overlay put on it, which wasn't there when it was rebuilt and hasn't been there for some years. So I'm guessing that somebody's uh, got onto them about accessibility. So they bought their solution in on top of that, which was cheaper. Now, my yeah, own yeah. advice to these people when they came to us was, Actually, I know it's expensive, but I think you need to go with your original designers who built your other site because they are good. <laughs> they, yeah. they build yeah. with WordPress really properly, you know, and that's probably what they need. But all I'm saying is that they went the DIY route because probably that initial agency just hadn't managed to get over what they actually needed and why it cost that. You know, Do you know I, think, I think that's going to be really a difficult sell because... At the moment, more than ever in my lifetime, the, the purse strings are so tight that money is the thing. And yeah. I made the analogy before we started recording that a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now, UX, usability, performance, accessibility, it's a bit like a, pl a plumber who comes into the house mm. and the website, if you like, is the taps. It's the bit that you see. You've got these lovely, shiny taps. They cost you a fortune. They're made of silver. They're beautiful. And you turn the faucet and the water comes out. It does its job. It's perfect. Behind all of that, though, is just a bunch of terrible plumbing. You know, the, the joints <laughs> yeah. aren't insulated, so you're losing loads of heat into the house. The, the, the soldering is done badly or the whatever it's called where you join hot water pipes together. All of that's done. You know, there's potential for leaks to spring. He sourced cheap materials, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so it's a little bit like that. Uh, but the thing is, it's very difficult for the plumber to come to me and say, okay, I am going to buy really expensive pipes. I'm going to use yeah. copper. And the bits that I join the copper pipes together, they're five quid each, but they're lifetime guarantee. They never, ever leak. Mm. It's difficult to sell that to me because all I want is the water to come out my shiny tap. And I'm not really that bothered about the other stuff in the background. Yeah. No, it's a good analogy. I do think, you know, I, this is the problem, isn't it? Like we say, there are different needs out there. I mean, there's always, I think DIY, DIY is going to be right for some people. I mean, yep. just temporary landing pages that are going out to, you know, the, one of my clients who, who earlier I claimed and still to a degree think they are right to have a page builder because they've been building their own little landing pages, which they use, which really is only for their own crowd. So maybe it's not so essential that it, right, right. you know, yep. is of good quality <laughs> and that it's accessible because maybe it doesn't really affect people or they can send it in another form. So I think there's always going to be that DIY, but I do think, I do think we, as people are trying to, uh, you know, keep this profession alive, uh, need to be a bit better at sort of getting over 
like you say, you're the plumber. What do you, how do you decide which plumber you trust? When because let's face it, and we do it with websites. You know, as soon as you handed a site, somebody says you want to rebuild it, or they say we're looking at this site. Do you think it's any good? You're going to go. The guy you had in here last was a bit of a cowboy. Yeah, yeah. dodgy. <laughs> but I, I Whoever think, you are. I think you are going to have to increasingly resort to, well, scaring is the wrong word, but you are going to have to lay this stuff out. You are going to have to say, look, it has. if you, if you want to rank in Google, we need to make it performant. We need to strip out all the croft, all of the extra divs that don't belong there. These are things which have to be done. Um, in terms of accessibility, here's the guidelines. We're going to follow as many of these as is humanly possible. You have to do that. And there's a cost for that. But we, we, we're still in that phase of the internet where it's just anybody chuck anything up because there's yeah. no law. It was a bit of a wild west, wasn't it? When we started doing this work, there was literally no law. And now there is because it's become a crucial part of everybody's life. More or less, anything can be bought online, sold online. You can interact with everybody online. It's become like a utility. And so these things have crept in. And I think unless you are pricing those things in, you you really, I don't know, I don't think you should. I'm not sure that, that you're, A, you're not doing your clients a service, but also you're probably not going to stay in the game for all that long. But equally, mm. how many people are going to pay for all that stuff? I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, you and I, I think, are similar background because we started, you know, when people really didn't know what this internet web thing was about, even before we had kind of proper search and stuff. So we didn't have search optimization and we didn't understand how people access our websites particularly or anything about usability. And in some ways, we kind of, I think there was maybe those early coders who stuck to coding and didn't go into uh, other platforms and stuff. Maybe they have developed along the way because there definitely is a growing trend towards um, a lot of bigger companies thinking more agile, thinking more long-term about their internet solutions and about how they need to be kept as slim as possible in order that they can keep changing as the web keeps changing. But it's not in the types of business that has traditionally come to the likes of you and I, I mm. think. So and I, I think I, I do think I do think though that there is still um an area for DIYers. I, I think that if you're listening to this podcast and you're just thinking about getting into building websites, I think there's still a you can do it. There's totally an industry out there for you. But I do think yeah. your job is going to be harder than it was when I started, which was just throwing throw anything on the internet and that's how it is. Now you are going to have to worry about these other things. You are going to have to be skilled in certain ways. But thankfully, things like a CMS will enable you to do a lot of these things without you having to learn all the code. But uh, clearly, David, that's <laughs> that's not where you're going. <laughs> no, well, it I mean, like I say, with 10 up and that, the, the, I'm sure they have all of those kind of front-end skills and all of the knowledge that they need, and they use a CMS. There's no issue. In my case, a lot of the time, you know, whether the client actually needs a CMS and access to it is probably becoming no, because I've realized the problems of devaluing what I do, you know, by allowing these people to have it. Um, so, I mean, that's the, the struggle that I'm dealing with in this. It, it depends what you want to do. I mean, I think, you know, you can be a web because people need help to DIY, don't they? Mm. And that's a job, you yeah. know? Yeah. 
I'm, I, I think we can be sanguine. I think the industry will continue to allow DIYers to onboard, get involved. But I do think that you are going to have to be more, um, more savvy with what it is that you are offering. So I don't know what the title for this episode is going to end up being. I think Waffle would have been the right one. <laughs> it's <laughs> some vaguely controversial waffle. Yeah, should we go with that? Vague? No, we we probably shouldn't. But uh, do you think we've? Do you think we got to the end of that? I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do we know? Do we? Shall we talk about what we're doing next week? Or? Yeah, we can do. Um, you've written some suggestions down. Should we go with that uh, number fifteen? Yeah. We'll go with that. That's it's a hot topic, David. We could end up being uh, we could end up being ostracised after this one. <laughs> Is the WordPress community overrated? <laughs> I know. In intake of breath <laughs> on that bombshell. Shall we end it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice chat. Bye. Yeah, bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Always a pleasure chatting to David about these thorny issues. If you have a comment, like I said at the top of the show, please leave that comment over on the WPBuilds.com website. It is highly preferable, given that we're WordPress people. We've got this great commenting system, haven't we, built into WordPress, so let's make use of that. Head to WPBuilds.com and search for episode number 339. If you can't do that, of course, there are the social channels where we would love for you to share it as well. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting, that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WPBuilds, and we really do sincerely thank GoDaddy Pro for their ongoing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, as I said at the top of the show, next week we will be having a week off. After that, we will be back. We'll have episode two of our little mini-series all about security, so keep your ears peeled for that. If you fancy visiting our deals page, that's wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. If you fancy subscribing, forward slash subscribe. But that's about it. I will hopefully see you on a Monday very soon, wpbuilds.com forward slash live for our This Week in WordPress show. All that remains for me to do is to say, stay safe, have a good week. Cheesy music fading in. Bye-bye for now.